Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Beneath a Skeel Sky. A what sky? Listen man. Aaron, why do you think apocalyptic fiction is so popular? Um, I think basically we're all getting ready for it. And so it's... Is this uh, like looking forward to Christmas morning? Well, I mean, you know, it's coming. We might as well see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, when I was a, a young fellow in my early days of role playing, there was a game called uh, it was a uh, role playing game from PSR. Uh, in fact, the Fallout franchise is, is based on it, and it, it was a post apocalyptic uh, game. And it was fun. And I remember it was called Gamma World. What mm, it was called, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you role played in the future, and you know that from there to like stuff like Car Wars to. Car Wars. Car Wars is another future. That's not real. You yeah, made that's that a up. real game. We suppose it was like a, a strategy role playing game you used to play. To play. You got your car souped up. You had a race to kill everybody. Like a demolition derby. Well, sort of. Yeah, kind of. It's more like Interstate seventy six. Uh, but uh, uh, that's a gas station, isn't it? That's a game. That was an old PC game. What was that place that's over there where the like the Bridge Street Bistro is now? Didn't that used to that be was, a seventy six? There, there, there was one. Yeah. 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 That. I think they're gone, mm. uh, but uh, you know, I, it's something fascinating about about being or existing or at least looking into a dystopian or post-apocalyptic world. Uh, and I think people enjoy drawing parallels between what's happening there, what's happening currently. I don't know if they enjoy that, but I mean, I, it's inevitable that you would. Uh, I don't think this this game's particular world is so odd that I don't necessarily see any. You know, direct comparisons, but uh, in stuff like uh, uh, movies and TV, you know, we, we, me and Teresa watched this movie, this show called The Last Man on Earth. It was on Fox a couple years ago. You ever heard of that mm-hmm. one? And the premise was this guy's the last man on earth. And we watched to see what, what that'd be like. Did he end up breaking his glasses at the end? No. And he what ended up happening was he wasn't the last man on earth. There was a whole flock of people because this is a TV show and it got lame. Mm. Uh, there's another great movie from Australia called The Quiet Earth. You ever seen that? Mm-mm. About, is it like the Good Earth, Pearl S. Buck? It's nothing like that. Mm. Uh, and in this particular movie, again, something happens. Everyone's dead. And this guy, and so this guy slowly goes mad. Uh, so you know, I like that kind of stuff. You get it. What about that Will flavor. Smith movie? Well, where he was the, the last the, man. The on novel Earth. that that's based on was tremendous. That Will Smith movie is garbage. But he had Will his dog Smith, with him. Will Smith, and I'm sure I've mentioned this. But he he enjoys making movies just to make me angry. He had He's, to kill his dog. Oh, uh, listen, end. I don't care about his stupid. His dog, dog was turning into a zombie. Listen. I want a written apology from Will Smith. That's what I want for all the trouble he's caused me. Mm. Just for Wild Wild West, he should apologize. It's a wonderful film. It is horrible. You're just trying to yank my chain. I've never but anyway, seen it. Yeah, there is a, an interesting fascination with the post apocalypse. You know what stuff. I think? What? Lazy. What do you mean? It's the easiest thing in the world to write a post apocalyptic novel, film, or TV show. Everything's horrible, yet still somehow society manages to hang on by a thread. This is what happens. I mean, that's it's it's it's. I can understand in the '60s when it was the atomic age, people feared the bomb and stuff. Okay, yeah. you know, this is the birth of this genre. It's something new. In the past, the the future was always bright, and now the future is not so bright. But it's the same story retold time and again, over and over again. But. People love it. They can't get enough of it. So people keep writing. They keep making movies because people love this stuff. You know, I, and I have to say, I love it. I, 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 do, I think it's very interesting. But you're right. It is a real easy path. I mean, you could put zombies there. You could put cannibals there. Well, that's there. another thing. It's you can put e- robots You can put there. whatever you yeah. want there. It's, it's very, very easy. Yeah. You and I could write a post-apocalyptic screenplay right here on the show in real time. It would, you know, perhaps. It would be better than most be, of the things that be, are out it'd there. It would be horribly bad. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I dig that stuff. I mean, I'll go see it. I'll go see Hey, I love uh, 
uh, Zombie Land is another one of those I like. And Last Man on Earth with uh, uh, Vincent Price was really good. Uh, there have been plenty of those, and some some are garbage, and plenty of B movies too, because it's the also cheap way to make a sure. film. Just drive out to the desert, put up a couple of shacks, you're done. Absolutely. You know, so. just look at Mad Max. That's Mad what they Max, did. perfect example. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's a good point. So let's talk about this week, Aaron. What's been going on in the world of? Amiga News. All right, what do you got? Okay, well, we got a couple stories this week. It hasn't been the biggest week in the world, um, but we do have a new update for Amiga Forever that's just been released. Now, uh, as yes. as you know, frequent listeners of the show, I don't use Amiga Forever very much, but Aaron, you do use Amiga Forever quite a bit, and you uh, were the mastermind behind our Amiga Forever for Dummies video, which is one of our most popular videos of all time. Too bad it's so blurry. That was before we really had figured out what we were doing. Catch yeah. You know, I, j I saw that this had popped, and I I'd say I've not got to look at the new version yet. Uh, I was too busy fooling with the actual Amiga this week, uh, but I'm looking forward to this. I will say I do uh, also like their C64 package, uh, that, which I believe did that one get updated as well. Yes, there's a new there's a new C64 forever yeah. too. Uh, you know, we've all we Colando's always been nice to us. Mm -hmm. I will say they uh, have supported us. And, and Mike's a heck of a nice Mike, guy. Yeah, boat met Mike personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, if the, despite what the political side of things, I think this is a pretty. Uh, I think it's a pretty tight package. We've always had trouble. In fact, we I, I talked to uh, Lafarius about this. We always had trouble capturing footage from. Uh, it's always been sort of a hassle, mm -hmm. hasn't it? Now you gave this a whirl, didn't you? On, on did you try capturing any footage with a new version? Well, yet? yeah, I had no problems. But what I had to do was I had to use display capture in OBS. And now we're going to go into inside baseball here with how open broadcaster software works. But there is a way to do it, and it's not very difficult. Okay, so, but I mean, it's, I guess my, my question is, has it improved over the last version, or did I ever? I never, I never used, I never used it. I, I'm a I'm an FSUAE man. There you go. Born and bred. Well, there you go. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking over here without going too deep into what they've done to it. But there was room for improvement. A lot in of the, the things. Version. A lot of the things that that they did. I can give you just a quick rundown. Great. There's a lot of new keyboard overlays. Um, you you can actually pop up a keyboard of various sizes at any time and nice. kind of have it hover there. And then there's new CD drive controls for the CD TV, so you can get a, 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 I guess a, a better pause play button going on there. Of course, the CD TV did ship with a controller too, didn't it? I'm pretty sure it did. It had a remote control. Okay, but I don't, I don't know if it had. You don't a have it at like a. It also had a, I think it had operation. a remote. I think it had a remote D-pad, but I don't remember mm. if it came with it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, boy, I'd like to have one of those. But oh. I mean, they're they're pointless. They're yeah. utterly pointless. Yeah, I mean, you think the CD32 is a useless piece of garbage? Just think I don't think that. Oh. I think that's more useful now than it's ever been. Uh, but yeah, I'll look into that more and, and report back. I'll, by the time this time next week, I'll have a better uh, a better grasp of the new stuff. Uh, this is a thing that just popped up on my Facebook feed uh, this evening. Uh, if you are over in the Australia country, uh, there is an Amiga get-together called Amiga Retro Brisbane. Oh, man, yeah. Okay, this is the ARB Belimba meetup. Check out the guy's name. Mark G. Falconer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's Falconer. Awesome. That's awesome. So uh, there's a couple people that are signed up for this thing already. Um, and uh, if you want to attend, uh, make sure you go on over to this uh, Facebook page that you see on the screen before you. And if you're listening in audio, just search for ARB Belimba meetup. All you down under, convene on Brisbane. Yeah, somebody, if, if any of our buddies go down, uh, shoot some pictures at least for us and stick up there. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Aaron, that's... I hate to say it, but that, that's all the news I've got this week. It was sort of a quiet week in the world of the Amiga. Hey, it happens. It's summer is winding down, mm -hmm. and I suspect that the, the big news will be forthcoming in the next month or two. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Aaron, let's talk about this week's Dreamcatcher article. Now, i got to say, this is another one that I have... Uh, some knowledge on, which is he has done an article here on the video game stylings and the movie stylings of Howard the Duck. Mm. Now, um, have you ever seen this film? Oh yeah. Okay. Now I was I was I was afraid of Howard the Duck as a child. You should be. Uh, he was a weird looking, uh, bizarre creature. It, this is another one of those examples, like we were talking about the Dark Crystal on Discord. Um, you go in with a certain expectation of your animatronic beast being sort of a, a fun-loving, <laughs> carefree dude. And Howard the Duck was sort of a hard-boiled egg, if you know what I'm saying. Well, uh, I see what you did there. Uh, uh, now, have you ever read the comic? I didn't know there on? was a comic. 
Uh, Marvel had a Howard the Duck comic for a long time, and it was a weird underground hit. Okay, is weird, it like a Harry Crumb type thing? Yeah, well, I mean, it was just a bizarre. It's a very unusual. Or is it George Crumb? Hard, no, you. Uh, 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 Who's Harry? That's that candy movie, right? Crumb is the guy that does all the kind of weird a, comic weird stuff, comics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this this was this was an offbeat sort of counterculture humored comic book starring this uh, alien duck. All right, now. Uh, the movie, how this got a movie made, is baffling, and it, a movie that predates uh, some of the huge superhero movies like your Spider-Mans and stuff. And think about it, Howard the Duck is getting mm-hmm. a movie. I remember when I heard this, I couldn't believe it because no one I knew read this comic, and I would occasionally, and Howard the Duck would pop up in other comics too. Yeah, he was he existed within he, the continuity of Marvel. It was the MCU from the eighties. Yeah, he he was. Uh, he would he would come around and uh, he would have team ups and stuff, uh, but he was just kind of this wisecracking, cigar smoking idiot character. And so, somewhat over the, and of all places, like you got Lucas and that gang are. This was like a Spielberg Lucas. It like a, it was all the big game names. It was a big. I think Ron Howard was there. It was a big the movie. Fonz. And I read it's funny. Dreamcatcher mentions that that Lucas had hoped that the proceeds of this movie would fund his ranch being built. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Uh, he also goes into the fact that uh, it, that the movie was thirty-seven million dollars to make, and it made thirty-eight million dollars. And you know, after you all the other extra crap that goes into oh, it, yeah. they lost a bundle. This is, I will say, this this was probably the best animatronics in a movie until the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. That is funny. He actually looked. I mean, he it looked creepy. Yeah. But, but it looked, looked it looked better than your showbiz pizza type. It, it uh, looked better than like midget in suit. Yes, you know, like that sort of thing, but not much better. Like Willow. Now it did have Leah Thompson uh, coming off of her role in Back to the Future. I always thought she was a uh, super cutie, mm-hmm. and uh, that was probably the highlight of this film was mm-hmm. her being just looking hot and being in it. But that's. You know, that's when you pay full price for that ticket. I don't know if that's going to cut it. Now, did you see this in the theater? Oh, God, no. No, No, absolutely not. This was someone gave me a copy of a videotape. And on one bored bored night, I said, I watched this. I was like, my God, this is. This is the worst. And it gets real weird. It's Yeah, there's some interspecies romance. Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah. But of course that you know that he was the same way to comics. But anyway, Dreamcatcher who I never could have fathomed that they would have made home release games off this movie. But Dreamcatcher and this has got to be right up his alley. Mm-hmm. If you picked an article for the DK to put down, there here it is. And so he goes into the actual uh, the offerings here after he, after he recounts what's in the movie. I think there was a song. Like, I want to say the end credits, there was a song called Howard, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Right. He's about to get plucked. I remember the yeah. lyrics of yeah. some of them. Yeah. It's crap. Yeah. And who knows who they got to sing this. Uh, this has got to be uh, Tim Robbins' worst film. Uh, he was been he's been in all his good movies. This Who's was Tim it. Robbins? Timothy Robbins. That's his name right there. Isn't it? Tim Robbins. Oh. Uh, what else was he in? He was in uh, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Mm. Hudsucker Proc. No, nothing. Never heard of him. Hudsucker. He was, he Sounds was like in, a horror film. He was in uh, Bull Durham. I want to see that. I've never seen it, but never I want to see that? it. I want to see My it. My God. I and love you call baseball, a baseball I know. Fan? I know. It's supposed to be a good Christmas film. He was in Jacob's Ladder. He's been in a, a ton of good movies, but this this was eerily... He must have been high as a kite. And apparently a lot of actresses looked to get into this movie. Before they pick, so which is st- well, also if, if you look at the if you look at the names behind it, Spielberg, Lucas. Well, I mean, listen. they thought it was going to be the next Star Wars. This, and he even goes into who who won the Razzies in this. If you the Razzies, the worst film awards, and this I think it got seven nominations and won like wow. four. So yeah, it was an absolute disaster. So you can imagine how good the games are. I'll just leave it at that. Mm. But another good article by DK. I suggest you check this out, especially if you're a, uh, either in the Howard the Duck or I don't know. Maybe just a curious. <laughs> Howard curious. Yeah. So um, what do you think about if you were going to rank your 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 animated ducks? Who's at the top He's of the list? He's at the bottom. I can tell you that right now. Well, it's a tough race because you got, there's a couple real, you got, you got obviously Donald Duck and his, and his ilk, you know, Scrooge McDuck. Well, I, I would rank those as different Right, but I'm entities. saying that Disney guys. Then you got Daffy Duck right out there. He's awful good. So, I, yeah, that's, I'm asking you to, to I rank guess you'd that. have to... 
That's a tough choice. I don't have to. I have to think about that. I think I've seen more Donald Duck's. I think David Duck's funny. It's funnier than Donald, but Donald's pretty funny too. I'd say it's a tie for first. I'm going to cop out, and then everyone else is last. Yeah, because I, I I never watched uh, Ducktales or that crap. Hey, hey Ducktales is great. Listen, I didn't watch it, man. Duckula. There's another one I didn't rank. Yeah. I didn't like that show either, to be honest with you. You don't like a lot of British stuff, so I don't... I do like a lot of British stuff, but I didn't like Duckula. Mm. I'm more of a Danger Mouse guy myself, Mm. whom I also didn't like. But I liked it more than (laughs) Duckula. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, Donald. That's what makes Donald... uh, Donald has a temperament that I enjoy. Yeah. You know? I lived a very similar person to Donald. You are just for many constantly. Years. You're just you're just babbling incoherently at a loud volume. Not me. I said I lived with someone that's a lot like Donald. Oh, okay. The temperament of Donald. <laughs> so there you go. What about you? Who do you rank up there? Well, duck wise, I'm going to go with um, probably with the. Uh, I really like Scrooge McDuck. I think he's a cool character. I like. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's diving into his money. But I like the way he dresses. <laughs> He's snazzy, snazzy. I also like um, Glumgold, who is that, that Scrooge McDuck's arch nemesis. So we're gonna go in the deep into the into the into the Ducktales. Well, I'm roster them. here. I'm ranking them in oh order. God, I you know I don't over Daffy. You're gonna rank these people? Yeah, I oh. put both those over Daffy. But then that's I put age, that's I, an age thing. I put Daffy third. What are you talking about? These comics are as old as the hills. Right, but DuckTales is it? DuckTales was a comic for years and years and years the, before. Did you the, read these, the comic? No, but that's you, okay, beside that, the point. Okay, I'm saying for you, it's. I think it's generational. I grew up watching Daffy Duck. He was funny. I didn't see that much of Scrooge. Scrooge only appeared on occasionally in like a Disney short or something. Mm-hmm. Very rarely. Yeah. You know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I saw more of them, but mostly Donald. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I put Donald third, or I put Daffy third. Behind who? You okay? Who was the second Scrooge, guy? Scrooge. Yeah. Glumgold. You're telling me that Don that that Daffy ranks behind a guy I've never heard Glumgold of. Glumgold is Scottish. Okay. Is that, is that Scrooge McDuck's like cousin? It's his cousin. I knew it. Yep. Okay. How original. Then you've got Daffy third, Donald fourth. Do- Donald's no good. He's no good. No. Uh, uh, Donald. Donald's great. You just ranked him. You say you, just, you ranked him third of those fourth. No, fourth. He's last. Why do you hate him? Because he's no, I mean, he's not. Have you ever seen that bit where Donald tries to open that folding uh, beach chair? Mm-mm. That's comedy gold. Mm. No, no. How about the one where he's got the bear gets in the house on Halloween? A gorilla, excuse me, it's a gorilla that gets in the house. I'm really looking forward to the launch of Disney Plus so I can catch up on all these classic shorts. I haven't, I, honestly, I haven't seen anything. The thing I remember are all the go- I like all the goofy shorts where it's like how to ski and stuff like that. Those are good. Those are yeah. You know the problem is here's the problem with this Disney Plus thing. It's more money for Disney. These guys already own everything. They've bought every conceivable thing. You know now we've got to give them more money. Why not? Just hand it to them. I don't care that much about old Disney properties. I can watch whatever I want. But Teresa and Luke want it, so I want it I'll too. I'll be getting it. I'll be paying Disney more money. Maybe they're going to buy the WWE. They rolled the network into that. I wouldn't take that loss. That's for darn sure. <laughs> let's talk about, speaking of taking a loss, let's talk about this week's game. Taking a loss. This, guy. this thing actually did quite well. Thank you very much. I looked up the numbers. Really? Yeah. I thought this would lose money hand over no. fist. Incorrect, sir. Okay. Absolutely well, you'll have wrong. to fill me in. Absolutely wrong. So, uh, Beneath the Steel Sky, you heard of this one before this week? Buddy? I have. Had you played this one no. this week? In fact, I, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I'd heard of it, but really I hadn't because anytime you said Beneath the Steel Sky, I thought you were talking about a different game called um, Alternate Reality The City. Nope. I never heard of that. That's, that, that got the Atari 8-bit port. Well, so this could never have made it on the 8-bits, no, I'm afraid. No, no. So, uh, Beneath the Steel Sky, uh, I had played this one, by the way. I released in 94... Now this one you had a you had two flavors of this uh, on the Amiga. Uh, you had uh, the uh, uh, you know the ECS OCS disc version. Then you had the CD32 CD version. Now if you were going the disc route, fifteen flopperoos here. Fifteen yeah. of those. That's got to be that's got to be the record. I, that's, think I, I think that that's more than Monkey Island too. That's a lot. 15 discs. And the funny thing is, uh, I played about, I got about a third of the way to, maybe not that far, almost a third of the way to the game this week. 
which is further than I've ever been. I will say that. I was proud of myself, actually, because, again, you know, these aren't my bag. And I watched, a, I, I was like, I got to see how this thing ends. I've been waiting for years to see what the heck happened. So I went ahead and watched the whole run of the game, someone playing it. And it went about five and a half hours, I think, to play. No, and this no, is someone, it's, it's less than that. No, this is someone that knew exactly what to do. I, the playthrough we're watching right now is two and a half hours. Well, the one, the one I watched was He must long. have been dawdling around. He, yeah, maybe he did. So, but anyway, there's. I, there, I guess what I'm saying is to, for that amount of time, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of stuff going on in terms of like new places to go. I mean, there's there's some obviously, but it's not like you're hopping planets or or you know, a, fifteen. This is a lot. I'm assuming it's all artwork. Yeah. You know, almost all of it's yeah. artwork. Um. So now this came out from a, 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 a an outfit called Revolution. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, I had, didn't even know who this was. To be honest with you, I, I'd forgotten who developed this. But I'm sure you remember some of these titles, including uh, King's Quest Six, Air Today, Gone Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Have you played that one, the sixth one? Yeah. Is In that fact, the one that was the lady did work, worked on? Was that that one? Well, Roberta Williams did. No, them no, all. I mean the uh, the lady. Oh, yes, you're not on ARG. Uh, we, we when we did Gabriel Knight, uh, mm-hmm. the lady that did that one had worked on one of the King's Quest. Oh, I think it was. Okay. I think it may have been that one. Uh, also, Revolution on the Amiga. Uh, was responsible for Lure of the Temptress, which yeah. I've not ever played that. Revolution, they you know they did a lot of work for Sierra. They ported a lot of those games to non-computer systems. In fact, there was a port of King's Quest V for the Nintendo, for the regular Nintendo. Oh, yeah? And Revolution did that. Uh, this also got a release on DOS, which I did remember that. And I've actually... A couple years ago, a good old games gave away that that I've mm-hmm. actually got the DOS version on the hard drive. This was uh, one of the early issues of uh, Retro Gamer. They gave this away on the cover disc. This is back when Retro Gamer had cover discs. Oh, really? And they yeah. gave it away. And they yeah. gave it away. What a deal, eh? Uh, this also got a release on on the iOS platform in uh, 2009. It's kind of neat. It makes sense, doesn't it? Now I'm not going to go over everyone that worked on this because it was a ton of people. A ton of people. This is really the, you know, we, we talk about this. There was a tipping point in which you couldn't get by anymore being a two or three man or three person development team. Yeah. You're starting to get employ tons and tons of people on these releases. Now, the main two guys behind this uh, particular title were a fellow named Charles Cecil and comic book artist Dave Gibbons. Now, him I knew because he worked on the Watchmen uh, miniseries, which is uh, uh, one of the all-time classic uh, comic book uh, miniseries, mm-hmm. of course, made into the film, and mm-hmm. uh, apparently has now been made into a series. Really? Which I, which I haven't watched. I, I believe it's on HBO. Okay. Uh, uh, and I don't know how or what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure uh, that it is done without the blessing of the of the Watchmen. Alan photos. White and uh, Alan who? No, his name is uh, what is his name? It's Alan Alan, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. He hates he he loves hate and hates everything. Who's else. the other guy? I don't, maybe the last the other guy's last name was White. I want to say, or maybe Alan White's a different guy. Maybe he was the yeah. keyboardist in Yes. Yeah, for a while. yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know where you're going there. So. Um, that's a pretty heavy-duty player to bring in to do to help along with this game, and so those two guys were the were the big players behind this behind this title. So what is this title? It's a uh, uh, it's a it's a point-and-click adventure game, my favorite, as you know, and uh, set in sort of a bizarre, I guess we'll call it a futuristic. It's, I mean, I don't know if it's ever made clear that it's Earth, or I don't remember ever reading if it was actually... Oh, I don't think that they ever come out and say this yeah. is Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that you're <sighs> supposed to sort of infer that this is an Earth-like planet. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're right. So, you play a fellow who has grown up in a place called The Gap. That's true. Tara Kay did... We, we, have to, we have to interrupt the show because the comic that comes with this book... Are you going to talk about the comic that comes with this book? This book came with a comic book. Yeah, a comic. It's the, like this, a couple pages. This, this game came with a yeah. comic book. Yeah, and it does set the game in Australia. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and so there. It's funny because I looked over the comic. I don't even remember reading that. Yeah, <laughs> because I was looking at a picture of it. Um, the uh, the comic. I think I had like was it two pages of comic book that came with it. I don't know how many. I, don't, I would love to have this boxed. But we'll get into why later that it won't ever happen. <laughs> it's unlike last week's game where I went ahead and bought it. I'm not going to be doing that to this one. So anyway, you play the role of a guy named uh, Rob Foster who basically grew up in this area outside of the cities 
called the Gap. The Gap. And it's, it's like, like that store in the mall. I mean, that the woods. It's ex it's exactly like the mm -hmm. store in the mall. And so, in this in this um, land in this era, basically, uh, corporate cities have become almost like competing cor corporations. Stop me when this doesn't it's make like, any yeah, sense. Like yeah, I was gonna say it's like, like Shadowrun it's lot, or every other thing that's like and, this. And basically. Uh, uh, all the all the people that, that inhabit the city are basically working for the whatever they're making or whatever they're doing, and, uh, and that's I don't know a, what that sentence means. I mean, like the city is a producer of goods, uh, like as a like a corporation, like a big corporation. So it's like a like a mine town, like a coal town. Sorta, of, yeah. And I and and so uh, you've got a competing town, the town, the next town over, and there you're competing with them in, in a in some marketplace with their product basically does mm -hmm. that make any sense to you and so uh, you're the the government of the town it is pressing you and pressing everyone there to you know produce effectively so that's what they do they all everybody has a job so and the comic book explains this so robert uh foster who lives in the gap he basically people come to the gap with his who's a family out there kill them all throw him in a chopper and they're taking him back to this town and as they're coming back, the chopper uh, blows up, basically, or, or gets, gets something happens to the chopper, gets disabled, and it crashes in the middle of town. And when you start the game, you are on the run from the, uh, from the authorities. And you start the game in this factory and try to figure out what to do, and that's how the game starts. Now, I can tell you, when I uh, started this game years ago, I remember, you know, hand of God, I remember downloading 15 discs of this bad oh boy back in the day. No easy task. And uh, I remember loading up the first disc and watching the intro. And the intro is sort of a, it starts off with this really uh, artfully done shot of this future city. And there, it's just what you would expect. It looks like every future city you that's know, ever been painted. Uh, and it looked, but it looked good. It looked really good. And uh, you, your little animated chopper goes down, and then the next scene you are is you inside of a factory, listening to a guard talk to a factory worker about this fugitive that's on the loose, right. and you're hiding up in like this every platform. outhouse, penthouse, and henhouse. Yeah, you know. And so your job, at least early on, is just to not get captured, not get to avoid. Uh, to avoid the authorities, and so you've you've got to use your point and click skills to try to find things to help you along in this mission. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty standard fare, isn't it, for this sort of? It's it's exactly what you'd expect. So, again, you having no uh, never ever played this before, uh, what what did you think initially with the graphics, the presentation, and the, and the, and the uh, interface? Well, you know, you you got to think about when was this game made. This is a game from '94. Yeah. Okay. Things had gotten pretty good by this point. Graphics were looking pretty good. And if we're, if we're talking about sprite, pixel art type games, we'd almost reached sort of the zenith. You know, we were at the pinnacle. Everything was detailed, everything looked great. Um, if you look at the Sierra games from this time period, LucasArts games from this time period, they all look sort of the same. So I wasn't they over did. I wasn't overly wowed by the graphics. I mean, they look comparable to other releases from the day. I'm not saying they look bad. I'm just saying that like it wasn't like these guys were pushing the envelope. They look they look good. They look good. Hmm. Um, the very first puzzle in this game, you have to locate an iron rod. Mm -hmm. The iron rod is exactly the same color as all the other junk that's in the room that you're in. So you're immediately into pixel hunt mode. Okay, I searched around for this thing forever and had to use the walkthrough for the first puzzle, wow. the very first puzzle, because I didn't know what to do. I was trying. I was, you know, I, you know what I started to do. I just grabbed my mouse and I was going, whoop, whoop, you know, back and forth, and I couldn't find it. I missed it on my first go through. Then I looked at the walkthrough and I was like, locate the iron rod, and immediately I was turned off. Okay. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the games that don't identify what you need. They hide it and they make you mouse over camouflage sections in the room to tell you what it is. So already, right out of right out of the gate, I didn't like this game. However, there were things that happened later on that that started it started to grow on me a little bit. But anyway, continue. It's funny, but first of all, you mentioned that this could have been a LucasArts game. The the font, the way the text appears. Uh, it looks 
straight out of like a, I mean, it's just like a monkey item. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Uh, they, uh, um, it's it's almost like they were. I mean, I don't like to say it's, it's it's exactly they're like. I guess they're just like okay, here's what these games have. Text well, they like. they took what the biggest best selling games were were doing, yeah, and they applied it to their story. Now I will say I did play this. Like I said, when it came out. And I will say, after downloading 15 discs, I, I don't think I ever got off disc two back in the day. But I and I didn't remember anything about it. And I was able to get past uh, the early part of this game pretty easy. I didn't have any trouble finding the rod. Well, like, okay, for example, there's another puzzle, like one of the, the, the puzzles that happens just a couple minutes later. You have to race the technician into the room that, and do something before he gets there. I hate that. Yeah. And again, you know, I hate, like, pick what genre you want to be. Do you want to be an action game? Okay. Do you want to be a thinking game? Um, Whenever it... it, That's the spot right there we're actually looking at. Yeah. I hate that. Um, Um, Yes. And this is what a lot of these later adventure games, especially the Sierra games, made you do. They incorporated timing. And, you know, when I'm thinking about a choice, I want to think about it. And, And this, it's... It's frustrating, and uh, so at that point, that's when I started using the walkthrough. That puzzle angered me, and mm-hmm. I will. And what really made me mad—not uh, to give away all the secrets—but I guess this is early in the game. Uh, you have what he's talking about is the uh, there's a handyman. You have to get into his uh, cup, his uh, cupboard, and inside the cupboard is a spanner and a sandwich. And you have to t- you have to go one p- off one screen. And keep in mind, I was playing this on disc, okay, effectively. And so I had to go off the screen, walk to a point where you would activate this alarm that would make the handyman go over there. And then you have to run back to the other screen and get the sandwich or get the uh, spanner. And so I, t- I had to try this like five or six times or more. And every time, just wait and wait and wait. I'm like, oh, my God. And so finally, I got the spanner, and I didn't even bother getting the sandwich. Well, then I found out later... You need the sandwich. Yeah. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, you know? And you can't get, it's not like you can just walk back to it but and I get mean, it. But I mean, this is a crime that I'll, almost all these games are sort of guilty of. This it's kind it's of the stuff. Sierra it's not, games. It's not, it's, that's that's the thing that the LucasArts games did right, is they, they never made a, pos, a, a puzzle impossible to solve. I, uh, uh, that said, uh, and that was, I would say that particular point, it, or that was the most annoying thing I came across. I will say that was by far. And because it was just, it just and the thing is, I don't even mind the puzzle, but you have to make it that close. Mm-hmm. You can give the guy, because there are other points in the game where you're waiting for stuff to happen, and they're darn sure not in a hurry when that stuff happens. You're waiting for some guy to come down an elevator or something. It, could, it, it you know, it take a couple minutes. You know, mm-hmm. why can't we get, uh, give me a minute here to get this stuff. Don't make me rush that quick. Right. Um, so, anyway, uh, you know, this is a, your typical game where you point to where you want your guy to go. The interface on this is, I mean, I will say, this is my kind of interface. It's not there. I mean, you literally don't see any interface unless you move your, ho- your mouse up to your mm-hmm. inventory, which is fine by me. That's what I like. Uh, so, I, right there you get marks because you get a nice full screen with beautiful art. And what they've done is they've taken this beautiful art and they've they've put in some animated elements. This is pretty standard stuff, but they, they look they do a good job. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in a room with like a, a machine room, there'll be a machine move, and maybe some there'll be some uh, movement on the computer screens or something like that. You're uh, eventually you've got a little robot that rolls around with you uh, that he'll and he'll just kind of screw around the background when you're doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't have any problem with that. I, like I said, graphically, top shelf. I think this is about one of the prettiest games I've seen on the Amiga. Uh, the, uh, um, uh, I, I listened to the voice uh, seat. I didn't play the CD32 version, but I, listened, I didn't watch a, a, some of the playthrough with the CD32 version on. And I, I definitely preferred it without the voices. I will say, that I'm assuming you played that version. I, I played the version without the voices, oh, okay. but I watched the majority of the playthrough with the voices. I'll what did you, you think of the voice? I'll tell you what. Compared to the um, sort of random capitalization of words in the dialogue, yeah, I'll take the voices any day. Uh, not to mention the version that I played without the voices had no background music. Um, and you know these these games, this game without background music in the first room that you're in. You remember the first room you're in? Yeah. It's got that that crusher, you know, in there. Oh, yeah. And, and all, all you hear. Yeah. Gah. So when you play the CD32 version, you actually get background music. The music's quite good. Uh, I, I enjoyed the music. Um, I think that um, this game is... What this game is, 
is two competing visions. You've got this dystopian, depressing, corporate-driven future world, and you've got kind of silly uh, mechanics. You've got your wacky robot sidekick. Yeah. And you've got your... Um, and uh, and you've got kind of funny, punny dialogue. Yes. They're very, very... Uh Again, uh, sort of a playoff on the Monkey Island stuff. Yeah, yeah. What well, kind of wacky? To me... These the, games also have a lot of wacky dialogue. Yeah. We see over and over. Yeah. Um, to me, that's a good thing. There, I think there's a lot of people that wish this game was more serious, mm-hmm. that wish it was, you know, more gritty. But to me, this this is almost like if Terry Gilliam made a, uh, a point-and-click adventure game. Have you ever seen Brazil? A long ago. Okay. Long ago. This really reminded me a lot of Brazil. Of course, I you know I love Terry Gilliam. Um, this it's it's so ultra depressing the setting and everything, but the, the events that happen in this game are just so weird and, and wacky. It's charming. I found it to be charming. Um, that said, once I got to that point where I couldn't figure out that timed-based thing, mm-hmm. I stopped playing the game and just watched playthroughs. No, you quit. That's where you quit. That's at. where I quit. So that's pretty early. Um, I I enjoyed watching this game, and the puzzles didn't seem like they were that difficult. I mean, there were no, at least that I could see as I was watching the player run through the puzzles, nothing seemed too overly esoteric. And I really enjoyed all, like you said, you don't go to a lot of different planets or stuff, but there are, are any. <laughs> right, but there are a lot of different settings. There are a lot of different... There's different areas of, yeah, the, of the building yeah. and stuff. And so I, I don't think that, you know, all of the 12 discs were just, you know, graphics or whatever. I think mm-hmm. that there, there is a good amount of content here. Um, and uh, and I think that the cast of characters that you meet are all are all kind of colorful. It's, it's Monkey yeah. Island-ish in that way. Um, and you know the ro- your robot sidekick is always quipping, you know, the, and saying different things at the end of the game. Did you watch the the full thing? Mm-hmm, so did. you know that your your spoiler robot, alert. yeah, spoiler alert. Your your robot it gets injected into some sort of a gelatinous human form that yeah. allows you to, to complete the game. Um, what I thought was funny, I actually I watched another uh, YouTuber review this, and I should have written down her name because uh, I, I wanted to quote her, but. Uh, at the end of the game, it says, "I look like Ken." You know, the your, the Joey, the the robot. He says, "I look like." All right, he, your your player gives him the name Ken, and he says, "Are there any are there any Kens that I can emulate?" And he's like, "I don't know. Ken's kind of a loser name." And she thought it was because Ken Williams was one of the Sierra guys, and it was sort of a jab at the competition. But it turns out that wasn't true. But I thought, man, that's that, that would be a, that would be an ice burn if it was. I yeah. Uh... You know, I, I I disagree with some of what you said. I actually do wish this was more serious. Really? I think there's a, a really interesting game here and an interesting story. And and this game is, I mean, you did call it right. It's like two games. And it and it and but when you're putting it like Monkey Island, you can that can be wacky. The whole game is wacky. This game, early on, the guy that's pursuing you gets chopped in half. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, in a bloody. Uh, pulp. Mm-hmm. You find another girl that you're working with in a stuffed in a locker that she's been irradiated. Right? So it's not like that ain't funny. <laughs> that's that's not good at all. I'll and and, it, and the fun the what annoys me is the funny things that are in it are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So it's not like all the humor misses. It's just I'd rather not have the humor. Just get that out. I want a, I want a gritty uh, uh, and listen, you hey, know, listen. Play that game where your profile takes up half the space on the screen. Yes, that that's gritty. your gritty well, dystopian future. I mean, this could be that. You know, hey, listen. And you it know, would be horrible. I love, I love Neuromancer, as you know, and even Neuromancer game does the exact same thing. God, that game it's is wacky. dry as the it's, desert. It's, but it's no, it's wacky. <sighs> it does wacky stuff that I don't like. I, I want a serious game. I don't mind an occasional. You know, robot quip now and again, but I would like. Who doesn't? You know, uh, there's all these long dialogue trees with these wacky characters. It's a point and click adventure. I know. I, I would like to have something more adult, to be honest with you, and less uh, silly. I guess. I mean, I, I, and I love silly. You know, I, I love it. I'm Mr. Wacky, uh, but it, this I would like to have had just the, the seriousness because what he's doing is pretty serious. I mean, these, these guys want to kill him. And when you get further into the plot, I don't want to give away the total ending, but I mean, it gets really freaking serious. I mean, there's murder. There's a lot of, uh, of uh, stuff that had, was hidden to this guy. Uh, and, uh, he finds out about his parents. He finds out about his past. 
and, and it's dark. It's, it gets dark and weird. And, and you know, the music also sort of belies that too. And again, I like the contrast, but I understand why you wouldn't. But the the music is all. There's nothing that sounds like you're either your sort of dystopian kind of drone-ish. I mean, everything is. Yeah, the music didn't do it. I mean, it sounds like Scott Joplin. When I watched the CD version, I was like, "This is no good. I don't like the music." Something else. I mean, okay, here's all this wacky stuff. You got these wacky characters, and then you'll get these long shots of these beautifully rendered factories they're dirty they're or they're or they're interesting looking or these overviews of the city that city's not wacky that's a that's a weird dystopian city there's a lot of bad news going on down there it's not funny at all Brazil. you know and it's not I mean, that's you're you're describing the movie but it's not that's that it. i didn't get the humor mm-hmm. it's that i didn't need the humor mm-hmm. okay so that i'm and i'm not the only person that, that sure said, absolutely it's a valid it's that. a valid opinion um <clears throat> You know, just to get back to the voices for a minute, uh, uh, I read that the they hired the uh, actors from the Royal Shakespeare Company to yeah. do the voice acting. Did you hear that? Well, I heard that, and then midway through, they hired a whole new crew yeah. because apparently the stage actors were being overly. To dramatic. be fair, they had they spent two days and recorded five thousand lines of dialogue. <laughs> now, listen, that is too much. Can you set aside a week? Mm-hmm. You know what are we doing here? Yeah. And then they had to go and go hire more guys. I also read that uh, Gibbons, um, among others, uh, used uh, uh, a multitude of different things to work on this with. Uh, they used a Macintosh. They used deluxe paint. They used a bunch of different stuff. I read. I was. It's funny. I was. Uh, I listened to an old uh, uh, episode of Retro Hour where they interviewed a guy, and he just so happened to have been one of the animators on this. Really? Game. Wow. And he's and it, and it's funny he got a, he's an astrophysicist ironic I wish I could remember his name but he ended up uh, getting the job because it was they the uh, revolution was in his town mm. so he knew a guy it's like go down there and, and bring your uh, bring your uh, bring your astrophysicist resume. buddy and that's and so they hired him and he 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 drew in fact I think he said as I recall he said that he was responsible for drawing a lot of the plumes of steam and smoke that come out of the pipes which mm. you see that quite often yeah. uh, in the game uh, the puzzles I did not find them very difficult early on but they got they got difficult i mean and even the one that we were complaining about i could get past it eventually but it was a i didn't like it yeah it didn't it felt out of place uh, and there were a couple of those timing uh uh based i mean even there's one where you have to, a robot goes and picks up this barrel and you have to get on this elevator and you still have to time it right not everything, and, and what makes this game annoying is when you miss time the stuff. It takes forever to get it to go back again. It's just a lot of redundancy when you try to make this stuff work, and it's not like I mean, in a playthrough, a guy just goes boop and he does it the first time. But when you don't know what you're doing, which I didn't, it was it it got old. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff would happen, and there were stuff that you could never possibly guess. You know, it drove me bananas. And, and again, this is another of those games. Now they're all the same, where where the puzzles are sort of nonsensical. You're telling me that I had to steal a sandwich 20 minutes into the game to give a guy an hour and a half into the game? I mean, how the heck are you going to know that? Right. You know, that's weird. Well, you, just, you have to take everything in these you know, games. That's my problem with these games in general. You know, they just, I know they're fun and people, but I mean, it's really the, the game is just like, it's just being a jerk. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a jerk thing to do to somebody. They're like, oh man, you didn't get that sandwich? Right. Well, you lose. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, man, come on. That was an hour and a half ago. And, and you can't go back sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I noticed further on in the game, oh, I'll tell you something else that, that caught me, was a uh, there was a wire you were supposed to uh, repair, okay? And much like you, I didn't even know it. Because there's a, some of the things, and this is another thing we see all the time, is. Some of the things blend in the background. You don't know that there's something clickable. Now, I read that in uh, newer releases of this, that stuff gets sort of highlighted. So that probably, makes, of course, yeah. that sort of takes away some of the game, I guess. Not for that. me. It, w- it would make me play the game. You know, um, all that said, uh, when you boil this game down, uh, uh, the story is quite a, remarkably interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a, yeah, a really interesting story. It was a great story. Uh, the The world they built here was pretty interesting, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, this guy's personal story is uh, it, it, it's something I didn't see coming. I will say that when I wa- ended up watching the end of it. So, oh, I can't say I don't like it. I do like it, uh, but in, uh, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. Would I set it? Would I load this up again and play it? Yeah, 
I might just to advance a little further, but I mean, of course, now I've I've seen how it ends, so it's kind of pointless. But in these days, it's not known for the replayability. No, uh, I don't remember seeing any sort of options or anything. I think it just pretty much, you know, they just it, they just you just play it. Well, it's just I mean, it's a, it's a right. it's a narrative experience. Right, but I mean, I didn't see where you can make your guy. I don't know if there's any shortcuts to make your guy move across the thing quicker or speed up the way they move. Oh, no, that's you know. part of the, part of the oh, thrill yeah, that's, that's is part, watching your guy shamble across the screen. That's part of it. I mean, he's not super shambly, but, you know, it takes... like the living dead, man. It takes a while. Uh, you mentioned this, I think, and I'll mention it again. Uh, in 2011, they released an enhanced soundtrack for this game, and and they also released the game, uh, which is, this is where I got it, on good old games for free, so if you want the PC version of this, you can go get I it. I did check out the PC version. It's... It's pretty close. <laughs> the it's not. Um, the version I got it's almost exactly the same. The, I'm talking graphically. You know, '94. We've talked about this before. Was really the tipping point where you started to see simultaneous releases for the Amiga and the PC. Oh, you're saying graphically? Yeah, graphically. Oh, yeah. The PC had jumped ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is a, it was sort of like Syndicate. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah. I mean, you've got. I mean, the Amiga game was there, but I mean, when you've just got it's. it's it's a simple logic. We can display more colors. Mm-hmm. We've got more processing power. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So it is what it is. But I mean, um, the Amiga graphics are totally fine. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, they're Absolutely. totally fine. And if you hadn't seen the PC version, you would think this looks the best it can look. Well, I thought, it, I, I thought like, if you compare this to, say, Syndicate, which, by the way, another, uh, you know, uh, you know, dystopian mm-hmm. sort of game, um, the graphics jump in that was considerable. Oh, yeah. Especially the, the, had those cool intros The jump stuff. in this is much more subtle. Yeah, this is much more, it's just like, it's better. It's, it's just, more it's colors, yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, I didn't see anything in particularly awesome. Uh, all that said, uh, what did you think of this? I mean, are you going to give this the thumbs up? Where does this rank in your pantheon? When you do the, uh, when, when you do the Boat Plays Amiga uh, point and click, Series, how's this going to rank? This is up them? near the top. I mean, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer, really? I preferred this to Cruise for a Corpse. Although Cruise for a Corpse was more inventive, I had, yeah. I, I enjoyed the this this sort of game more. Um, this is nowhere near as good as the LucasArts games, just because I like the everything about the LucasArts games I, appeals to me as a person. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I prefer this to. Um, you know any of the well, all the Sierra games that I've played, but I, I've not played a lot of the Space Quest or Police Quest games. So, but I think that this is you know is, is sort of a this is one of the swan songs of the point and click adventure game on the Amiga, and uh, I think that they left the genre on a high note. I will say uh, just a couple more things in closing. This game is very Eurocentric. This wouldn't probably wouldn't play. In fact, the numbers I have here uh, when they talk to about the sales figures on this thing that. Uh, it, uh, it was reported that it was between three and four hundred thousand units by July of two thousand nine, and the majority of those it says were from European countries. This game is very European. Well, it's a virgin game, so right. I mean, yeah, but I mean I, that I could see because you don't hear much about this game here. Yeah, like, but but it's funny because this isn't as revered. Oh no, here. no, not yeah. at all. I thought that the voice acting again. It's a, a weird thing uh, in the chat they were talking about even though this game is set in australia no one has an australian accent yeah so i guess that died out in the apocalypse it's uh your main character is, has an american accent and then a lot of the people that you come into contact with have various british accents so i i i didn't like the voices in fact i turned down the voice if, as i was watching i turned because i didn't i'll I, it's funny sometimes i really want the voices but in this one i, I guess because i'd played it a bunch I'd already come up with the voices in my head, and so I, I when, couldn't get the you know the biggest. And I'll tell you, this is on the honest truth. I hate the fact that they they capitalize random words in these sentences. That got under my skin like nothing else. And I and I was reading online, and I guess they wanted to sort of mimic the comic book convention yeah. of, of doing that. Um, but I to me, it's just like we need to expect. The planet. I mean, I heard that in my head. And when I listen to the voices, I can ignore it, you know? (laughs) Um, And so I wish that they would release a hack that took that out because that's no good. You're a grammar snob, clearly. I don't give a crap. As long as I can read what they're saying, I don't don't mind. Uh, But, uh, you know, I think if you're going to look, even if you just watch this game, it is definitely worth a look just to see the beautiful backgrounds. And you really, I mean, it's it's gonna be hard to sit down and just watch some of this to get the whole story. But if you really sit down, uh, or if they were novelized, I mean, it'd be you know, you could actually the story is pretty interesting. You know, you mentioned Cruise of the Corpse on here. I think 
you're, this is a better game than Cruise for a Corpse, but I think Cruise for a Corpse or something like, or uh, uh, it came from the desert, which these games were far more gutsy than this. This sure. is this is not a gutsy no. game. No, it it does it it walks the well trodden path, mm -hmm. right? Which it's okay, right? Uh, but it, it is what it is now. Clearly, we're in a minority here because I've got a little list here of how it did in, uh, when it was released. It won the 95 PC Gamer Best Dialogue Award, and the dialogue is funny. There's no doubt about mm -hmm. that. It got the my, me and Brent our favorite award, the Golden Joystick. It won that for Best not, Adventure. Not the Arky. No, that's our other favorite. <laughs> uh, it uh, was number one in the British Gallup charts. Which that's you know I guess that means something something good. It got good reviews. We should probably go ahead and look at some of the reviews here. Um, the uh, folks over at Lemon. Now I looked at this for both versions, and they're actually pretty similar. The ECS uh, version they gave an eight point five two, and the C thirty two they gave an eight point six one. And I saw across the board they're pretty similar. Uh, on the original disc version, Amiga Computer gave an eighty five, Amiga Format gave a ninety four. Amiga Power gave it an 86, 80s and 90s, and the CD version, uh, this, again, we've mocked this game magazine before, Amiga CD32 Gamer, <laughs> which they at least got the issue 7, we know right. that, they got to give it a 90, I would have given this a 200 if I was them, 200% <laughs> run out and buy this immediately and buy 6 CD32s now, and buy all our back issues, yeah. uh, Amiga Format gave the CD32 version an 86, Amiga Power gave it a 90, and CU Amiga gave it 95, so... I yeah, mean, absolutely. Go. I agree with all. This is an A game for me. It's it's an A. Yeah. Um. It's it it doesn't tread any new ground, but it's a it it takes all of the conventions of a well established uh, genre and, and does what it can with them. Uh, Duncan asked about where does this stand against the Flight of the Amazon Queen. It doesn't stand anywhere close to Flight of the Amazon it's, Queen. Well, I mean, um, the game. I mean, the game itself. Is, uh, like if you if you strip away the the story and the art and everything, I mean it's essentially the same game, um, but same fight. Yeah, yeah, but but Flight of the Amazon Queen. Uh, personally, the I think I I would prefer to look at a lush jungle environment than a you know decaying urban cityscape uh, for hours and hours <laughs> on end. Plus the scenes even even beyond that. Um, Almost every scene in Flight of the Amazon Queen had some sort of animation, whether it was a waterfall and you saw, you know, sparkling fish jumping up and down. A lot of these screens are just static screens. Well, most of them have something. I, well, I think this is a prettier game. I'll be honest. With you. I, mean, I think it's. Let me rephrase that. This is a better. This is a more well drawn game. I think. Flight of the Amazon Queen is certainly more colorful, but that's just the genre. Sure. The genre for Flight of the Amazon Queen is, is more fun-filling. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and I mean, when you're wacky in that game, you know, you're fighting a monkey or whatever, yeah. you expect wackiness. In sure. a game like this, I expected less wackiness, to be honest with you. Uh, we got a couple user reviews both here. We've got a couple people chimed in, if you'll allow me the courtesy. Uh, Lobsterminator, our good buddy. Uh, uh, he said, an excellent dystopian adventure game, beautiful graphics, interesting world and characters, the humor and wordplay are unmistakably British. That's true. Uh, the choice of setting is unique and brave. Only real critique is that the dialogue uses too many caps as emphasis. Like, and he wrote it like that. Mm -hmm. Love it, 9 out of 10. And our other good buddy, Free Lunch, which I think he's here with us. Uh, I have always really wanted to love Beyond, uh, Beneath the Still Sky. Sadly, I just never have. Adventure games are my jam, but this one uh, hits too many sour notes. I think if it had played, played it when it first released, I may have really enjoyed it. I tried several times and quickly became bored. Pushing forward by determination only, the humor falls a little flat and the puzzles feel too facile. Mostly, like like I've been given busy work to complete. That's true. I will. I, that is true. You do feel like you're just trudging along. It is like busy work. I agree with that. Um, sacrilege, I know. I'll surrender my membership card to the man at the door. Great title, though, from a literary perspective. Yeah. Five beneath, out of ten. Beneath the Steel Sky is a great, a great name for a game. It is. It is. Now, we should probably mention as we, on our outro here, that there uh, have... Um, said that there will be a sequel. In fact, I think it was announced in March yeah, of this year. Beyond a Steel Sky. That's right. right. Now, I have heard early you looks at this game say that the uh, it looks did a lot different. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play. Uh, and it's going to be a battle royale. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Iron well, Man. Uh, one would wonder 
um, what they have in mind. Now, this story absolutely can lead to a sequel. There's no doubt because mm. the game ends with closure, but there's still you're, there's a whole world. That's, oh yeah. That, that it's, yeah. That's, I mean, you can tell you know, any number south. of stories in this world. Yeah. So, but you know, overall, um, you know, I, I saw what they tried to do. It. It's funny. Usually, I just don't like these games because I just don't like them. But this one, I, I feel like I've got a serious, an actual critique here, which is I didn't like mixing the funny with the dystopia. I, I'd like to have something that is uh, more serious. Okay, so, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Aaron, last week um, we had some winners from the Patreon song all challenge. Right. Okay, uh, I want to congratulate all of you for uh for recognizing the tune and writing in uh we've got a sweden's own bark bit pixels at dawn pack billy gary heather matthew Perron, stephen faust wrote in haven't heard from him before jan holbro whose son is a stand-up comedian did you I see saw that? that oh man i can't wait to see the little show yeah, yeah. That, that's that looked like a real deal yeah man. absolutely outstanding good luck pal. yeah yeah and edvin helland the edvin one and helland, only norway's finest man, everyone got that song what was it you that was tell us? living on a prayer yeah by bon jovi when you went way up there mm -hmm. that you, was a dead you felt boy. something in your soul you know in my belly mm -hmm. like i was gonna retch yeah <laughs> that's what i felt like <laughs> Um, I do want to welcome a new supporter this week. Cap'n Crispy has joined us. Good. Cap'n Crispy. He's he's on board. Good. Hopefully he will ship us a box of his cereal. Yeah. He's got to have one with that name. Yeah. You know the uh, significance of Captain Crunch in, Absolutely. The, in, in, the, in, the, in the hacker space? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? His whistle could uh, activate. And by the way, if you there's a, uh, speaking of our buddies, uh, Dan and Ravi over at RetroR did a great interview with him. It's, yeah. it's definitely yeah. my all-time favorite episode of that show. And, and this guy is a, is a brilliant to listen to. Yeah, so. yeah. If you haven't heard that. Yeah, it's you, really it, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you know this week's Patreon song, then send me a message at john com. We want to thank all of our supporters in this special way. You look like the tortoise coming out of the shell right there. That's what I'm doing. It's like the turtles live tour. It looks like your coming skull out of knows what's coming. It's trying to escape your body. Captain oh. Crispy, Kilobytes and Caffeine, Mike W, Decker Threeport, Gary Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster, Minator, Craig McClellan, 10-Minute Amigo, Retro Castro, Outing Virtual Sheep, Bert Narquin in Retro Man Cave, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Edit, Rob O'Hara, Howard Nibs, Matthew Laramore, Andy Craig, Shonzo, Darren Lomax calling 419, Bach Bid, Roland Burke, Andrew Monge, Joe the Zombie, John Cookleaf, Kellan, Alan Kebab, Chico Telebolo, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRoche, Great Big Dead Boy, Big City, Slow Nose, Steph Gun Sword Guard Mortensen, Evan Salad, Blender Seven, Fat Christopher Hassel, Rathy Babbitt, Chris Folds, Dreamcatcher Lauren, Giroux Cram, Vebkey, Lane Denson, Adam Batters, B. O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Huckersey, Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tapes from the Crypt, Josh Nan. <laughs> Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THG, Eric Nelson, Sassassad, Kim Tommy, Humberstead, Daniel Bixton, Buddha Barra, Darren Coles, Jason Gwans, Pixels at Dawn, and Kill Bjorn Barman. <laughs> the Gritcher nailed it. It's like a musical stroke. That's exactly correct. <laughs> stroke of genius. Never, he ha means. never has anything <laughs> been summed up so perfectly in my life. You know, I got that. I got that one. Good. So I feel, I feel, good. I'm proud of myself. Aaron. I think. Next week, it's going to be one of the greatest weeks of your life. Oh, yeah? If not the greatest. Every week, it gets a little better. We're going to play Panza Kickboxing. Oh! Finally! Oh, boy. Yeah. Are you kidding me? How many episodes have we been Man, waiting for this? I love it. I can't believe it's never been covered by us. I know. Man, I'm going to beat you like a dog. Well, man. we'll see about oh, that. Man. I have been training. Hot dog. I love it. All right, we want to thank all the fine folks with us in YouTube land that are watching us live right now. We had right a good now. crowd today. 
Absolutely. Pixels at Dawn, Panthro Strife. Oh, what a cool name. <laughs> Ricky DeRocher, Retro Man Cave, Neville Overman. Neville Overman from Beneath the Steel Sky. Duncan Styles, Free Lunch, uh, John Mullins. Did I say Edmund already? I think I did. Uh, you can say Panthro's name again. I'll say it a couple Panthro more times. Strife. Free Lunch was with us. Uh, Terror K. Uh, thank you guys so much for, for hanging out with us. It's always a party in the chat. Picard 2005, Wishbone. Jan Holbro Rasmussen is here. Man. He's back from stand-up comedy land. Free Lunch. Um, thank you guys so much. We will see you guys.